the end of February, I had the opportunity to share with you uh, some core values that I really felt the scripture explained to us what the church should be like. And I had uh, several images up here on um, on uh, easels, if you remember. And in fact, I think we have them up here. There's six images we talked about um, that we had in picture frames. And now you'll actually find those in our conference room in the office because as a staff, we really wanna make sure everything we're doing, every decision we're making is part of these six core values that we feel like God is asking us to fulfill as the church. And so if you missed it, you can uh, view it online um, on the podcast or on YouTube if you missed that week. But over these next few months, I really felt like the Lord um, prompting me in the church um, to have sermon series based on these six things, and that we could go through, uh, and, and each time we had a sermon series, focus it on one of the core values that we feel like our church should really be, that the church should really be according to the scripture. And so as we focus on these kind of six focus points, I, I believe this will make us stronger in Jesus. So if you've been serving God for a long time, I believe it will make you stronger in him. I believe it will help us walk toward him and not away from him. Remember we talked about there's a, if we were on the edge of a cliff, we would want to measure our steps very carefully so that we were walking in the way of holiness and the way that God asks us to. Um, I believe that if we do that, this will help us experience life change. And I, I really believe that if we begin to dig into these six core values that, that the Lord has given us through scripture, that we will continue to hear the chains falling that we will continue to see the mountains and the strongholds come down, that we will continue to make progress in our lives. And so I'm really excited to do it. And, and I believe that next year at this time, we'll look back and we'll say, what a year. God, you are faithful. We have more to shout to you about than we did last year. God, you are true. You are, you are worthy. We love you more. We want you more. We're different than we were last Easter. We, we have moved forward. Things in our life have changed because we've committed to knowing you and loving you. Okay, so you ready for that? You coming with me? All right, good. So the first value we're going to start with is spirit-led worship and prayer. And specifically, we're gonna focus the entire month of May on prayer. And I thought that was such an interesting history lesson. Uh, you will probably have a test later, Pastor John gave you those facts, um, how uh, that there was a national day of prayer called all those years ago. What year was that? 1789, I already failed the test, uh, that there was one that, that was even called then. And we know that coming up this Thursday, May 4th, is the National Day of Prayer that's approaching. And there's some things going on in the city for that, so you should get connected. You can find that through our Facebook page, or Cindy Matter right here can fill you in. Uh, but the whole nation is going to say, hey, prayer is important to us. This is what we're going to do. And so we're going to follow along with that, and this whole month of May, we're going to be talking about prayer, and then we'll actually end this series on June 4th, uh, which is six weeks away, believe it or not, and that is uh, traditionally Pentecost Sunday, and so on that Sunday, our district superintendent, the, the uh, person that oversees all of the Pennsylvania and Delaware Assemblies of God churches, his name is Brother Torville, will be right here, and we're excited to host him, and he'll be sharing um, from his heart about Pentecost and what that means for him and what that means for us, and it's going to be a really exciting morning. And then that evening uh, of June 4th, we'll be having another worship night at the summit at 6 o'clock. Raise your hand if you're at the last one. All right, talk to these people. It was really great. Uh, we're going to have another one like that at 6 o'clock at the summit 
um, that night as an action step to really celebrate this series that we walked through all month, okay? So mark your calendars. We're really excited for that to happen. So in the image that we chose for spirit-led prayer is the compass, and here's the image. Now, a compass um, is just a really very um, interesting sort of phenomenal tool that we probably just know about, so we sort of dismiss it, but no matter where you stand on earth, you can hold a compass in your hand and it will point toward the North Pole. That's kind of amazing that there is a magnetic, God created the earth so there would be a magnetic pole so that no matter where you are on this whole entire planet, you can hold a compass and it can turn you toward the North Pole. So if you are in the middle of the ocean and you can see nothing for miles, just water, and it's overcast so you don't know where the sun is rising or setting, and all you see is water, and if you had a compass, you could determine which way was true north. A compass serves as a tool to orient yourself. It, it serves as a directional finding instrument. So when you, when you have a compass, you aim for the needle to align to true north, and then you at least know that that direction is north, if that's the direction you want to go, or you can go the opposite direction to go south, but you have this, this uh, orienting moment where you know right where you are. And I wonder this morning, if you have ever felt like you are in the middle of the ocean and you can't see a way out. And maybe there's just water for miles, and there's no sign of any help coming, and you are just sitting in the middle of this situation that you have no idea what direction to turn. Or maybe you felt like you were in the dark. You were, you were feeling your way through life and you, and you can't quite get enough traction and you feel stuck and you're just spinning your tires and you don't even know what way is up from down. And you're standing in the middle of that situation and you're saying, I don't even know which way to go if I could get out of this hole. Or, or maybe um, you felt like people have sort of tossed you out all on your own and said, just figure it out. Try, try, to, try to piece it together because we're not helping you now. And I want to remind us that prayer is the tool that orients us. That prayer is a direction-finding instrument. And that when we immerse ourselves in prayer and we begin to communicate with God, we ultimately can get our lives lined up with true north, which is what Jesus has for us. And then we can navigate out of any situation. I believe that the compass is, is a tool to orient ourselves, and it's such a good word picture of what it is when we're in the word and in prayer. And so I want to take uh, a lot of our teaching today from John 15, 1 through 8. We're gonna, I'm going to read the whole thing so you have the context, but we'll pull out some little verses to kind of focus on. So follow along with me. This is from the New King James Version, and this is Jesus talking. And he says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. 
If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. But if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So there are a few major kind of um, things in this passage that apply to prayer. And the first thing is this word abide. Okay, so say that out loud, abide. Say it like three times, it starts feeling funny on your lips. Abide, 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 abide. All right, so here's this word, he uses it a lot. And other translations use the word remain or be with me. It has this this connotation that it means to follow, to hold on to, to, to stick to, to stand by, to act in accordance with. Jesus says, stick with me because I will stick with you. Hold on to me because I will hold on to you. Stand with me. I will stand with you. Stick close to me. And prayer is the glue that holds you and Jesus together. Prayer is the thing that allows you to abide with him. The scripture says if a branch gets far away from the vine, it will be lifeless. Therefore, prayer is the connection that we need to keep the flow through Jesus to us. And we need a a living union that Christ uh, helps us be connected. We need to have a living union, a living condition in that. So how do we abide? How, How do you do it? So we know God says abide, stick with me, be close to me, but how do we do it? I think there are three uh, parts to this, and this comes from um, a great book I'm reading right now called Growing in Prayer by Mike Bickle. You might want to pick it up for this series. But this is what he says. The first thing is you talk to Jesus. Talk to Jesus. Now, abiding in me can actually be interchangeably used as talk to me. The Christian life is an ongoing dialogue with a real person. Uh, Just this week, a dear friend of mine texted me and said, I just have this feeling that when you get overwhelmed this week, you should just sit at your desk and look across the table like Jesus is sitting right there. Just imagine him sitting right there and just tell him this is what's happening. And you know, in that, that day, once you know it, I got a little overwhelmed and I sat there with the, it did that exact thing. And I, I felt this presence of God so clearly, this piece of what I was talking about. And We abide in Jesus by talking to him. You know, Jesus has a lot to say, but he allows us to set the pace for the conversation. Jesus has a lot to say, but he allows us to set the pace for the conversation. He will will continue the conversation as long as we do. But when we stop, he stops until we begin again. So maybe you haven't felt like you heard from God in a long time. Have you been talking to him? Have you stopped the conversation with God? Who starts the conversation every day? This is not one of those rules that you can't text him first, okay? That is not for life with Jesus. You begin the conversation, and as you do that, God has that conversation with you. He asks us to abide in him, to talk to him. The second part of abiding is to apply his promises, to apply his promises. You know, often our emotions, our shame, our guilt, our fear, our rejection, they sort of rise up and they challenge what what God says in his word. In fact, according to Revelation 12.10, the enemy's primary job right now is he goes around and he challenges truths and accuses God continually. So that means every truth that you hear, 
from Sunday morning in worship music as you listen to it, if you read the word throughout the week, the enemy is out to figure out how he can steal it or how he can morph it or how he can accuse it or how he can tell you that that's not actually true for you. I mean, everybody else is forgiven, but not you. And he, he just tries to find ways to do that. That's his job. And so what we have to do to abide in Christ is we have to apply the promises of God by confessing the truths actively and resisting the lies. And that means that pretty much continually, we are telling ourselves, no, that's not true, this is true. No, that's not true, this is true. No, that's not true, this is true. And we constantly have to be applying those promises to us, to our own lives, and to what God is telling us. The third piece of abiding, so we're talking to Jesus, we're applying his promises, we're obeying his leadership. Uh, this comes from John 14, 23. It says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. This just simply says, obedience is an expression of our love for Jesus. Obedience is God's love language. <laughs> obedience is our expression of love for Jesus. And so only in the context of obedience do we um, can understand the deeper things of the heart of God. Only in the context of obedience does God trust us to begin to unravel and, and help us understand the things that he wants us to. And obeying God's leadership brings alignment into what God wants for our lives. And so we begin to have a better understanding of what God wants for us or what God is saying to us when we obey him. You know, with abiding, some people, they talk to Jesus all the time. They're great at talking to Jesus. Talk, 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 talk. But they don't apply the word to their heart. And so you can actually have a pretty good prayer life where you're just doing all the talking. But have you ever been to lunch with someone and they talk the entire time? And you leave there, you're like, well, that was good. You know, we could talk and talk and talk, but if we're not applying the word, we're not abiding. Some people know the word, they apply the word, they could out Bible, sword in the spirit you all day long. They could do that, but they neglect to talk to Jesus regularly. They think, well, I know this stuff already. I don't need regular guidance in my life. Some people seek to obey him but they don't want to apply his word. So that kind of comes out like this. Well, God told me that I could do this. Well, that's not really in the scripture. I know, but God told me I could do it. And we sort of make ourselves God in that way. And so abiding in Christ, you have to have all the parts. You have to talk to Jesus. You have to apply his promises and you have to obey his leadership. And if you don't, something goes sideways. And so all of those things have to get together to abide. And John 15 says it over and over and over. Abide in me. Stick close to me. When I whisper, you will hear me. If you're close to me, even when you whisper, even when I lightly tap you on the shoulder, I won't have to take you out so hard next time because you have heard me, because you're close to me. And when you need a compass in life, when, when all feels lost and, and, and you're just maybe funky because your purpose is all jumbled up and, and you can't get out of this cloud or this, you don't even know what's wrong. You just aren't even quite sure the direction you're supposed to be heading in. Prayer and abiding in Jesus will orient you. It will give you a purpose and it will help you move forward to it. So talk to Jesus, apply his promises, and obey his leadership. 
John 15 also says that there's this other result of abiding. And as you read that, you probably saw this other word. Um, and re- the result is fruit. The result is bearing fruit. They're not talking about apples, oranges, kiwi, pineapple, okay? What they're talking about is fruit. It's evidence. Fruit is the evidence of a transformed life. That's what the scripture says over and over, not just in this passage. And here's what that passage says about fruit. Here's what I pulled out of there. Um, When Jesus prunes the branch, they bear more fruit. So there's pruning in order to get more. You can't bear fruit unless you're connected to the vine, which is Jesus. When you abide, when you're connected, you can bear a lot of fruit. And fruit glorifies the Father. So lots of fruit, good. No fruit, bad. Okay, (laughs) there's the biblical concept coming out of there. Easy one. And we bear fruit in two ways. We bear fruit inside, in our character, uh, in the things that, that we're personally, internally deciding, the, the type of people we're becoming, the ways that we're changing because we follow Jesus. You know, we shouldn't be the same person we were when we started following Jesus. We have to be different. That's inward fruit. And then there's outward fruit, which is service to others. I think often we read this or think about fruit as um, like, really, really big, gigantic things. Like we had a, we had a ministry and we had like 7,000 people come and look at all this fruit. And, and that is fruit. But what I feel like the Lord is talking about here is this. It's, it's mostly, the fruit that he's talking about is mostly these small obedient things. It's the things we do when no one is looking. It's that inner struggle that you're working on and you finally conquer and that, that just, that inward character of fruit becomes so strong and so real. That's the thing that glorifies God. It's the way that we are just starting to see other people. It's, it's how we start to see people how Jesus would. And all of a sudden you're not so frustrated with people that are different than you anymore because that fruit is growing inside of you and then you're treating them different. And so that fruit is growing outside of you. That's the kind of fruit that God is talking about here. And the scripture says that this fruit grows when Christ abides in us. So we abide in Christ, and Christ abides in us, and the result of that is bananas. (laughs) I just came up with that. That was good. All right. (laughs) The result of that is awesome. So here's, (laughs) what does it look like when Christ is abiding in us? What does that look like? This is what I think. The Spirit teaches us how to bear fruit. John 14, 26 says that Father, uh, the Father sent the Spirit to teach us all things and to bring to us remembrance what he has taught us. Have you ever been in a situation and um, something comes to your mind, an answer, or maybe like the name of someone that you haven't seen in a while, or you, know, you have the situation and it drops in and you walk away and you think, I have no idea how I remembered that right then in that moment. But what happens is God brings to remembrance the things that we need. And that's why memorizing scripture is so important. We've been talking about that over these past few months, and some of you have been groaning at me. But what happens is when you get that word inside of you, God brings it right to you exactly when you need it. Because when the Spirit is abiding in us, it teaches us how to bear fruit. And he'll give us creative ideas. He'll give us wisdom on how to manage our money. He'll give us wisdom on how to steward our schedules, how to prosper in relationships. He'll He'll help us function in ministry. He'll he'll show us how to walk in health physically and emotionally. He'll teach us all of those things if we abide in him as he abides in us. Secondly, 
the Holy Spirit inspires us to bear fruit. I just love this one, and I don't think we think about it very much, but you know that the Holy Spirit regularly renews our courage. When we're discouraged, the Holy Spirit is the one who is regularly renewing our courage. When we can't face the grief of our loss, you know, maybe you lost someone you really love and you just think, I have no idea how I'm going to wake up tomorrow and function. But you get up and you function. And the Holy Spirit gives you courage to wake up and face the day again. That is the Holy Spirit inspiring you to bear fruit. When the statistics are against us, when, when, when things seem all at odds, the Holy Spirit reminds us that God is on our side. And he'll woo us and he'll motivate us not to quit. And it is tempting <clears throat> to draw back and not chase hard after God, but it takes energy, it takes focus, but the Holy Spirit can help us recommit again. Thirdly, when Christ is abiding in us, the Spirit empowers us to bear fruit. The Spirit empowers us to bear fruit. You know, I often think that we can't create spiritual fruit on our own without Jesus' help. As hard as we try, as much as we decide that we're going to try really hard or we're going we're gonna to do it better, we cannot create spiritual fruit on our own. The Spirit en- empowers us to produce good fruit. And the Spirit helps us love what God loves and hate what God hates. And the Spirit renews our mind. And the Holy Spirit is what changes us. And so this passage reminds us, abide in Christ and he will abide in us. And so all of that good fruit will begin to produce in us because we are abiding in him and he's abiding in us. So where does prayer come into this specifically? I want to call to uh, look at John 15, 7. Specifically, it says this, if you abide in me, we just talked about how to do that, and my words abide in you, which we just talked about how that's going to happen, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. That's, what, that's the secret of prayer. That's the secret sauce of prayer is that when we abide in Christ and he abides in us, we are so in tune to what he wants and what, what he's going to do that when we pray for it, it shall be done for you. Prayer orients us. It positions us. It puts us in alignment with God's heart. Prayer is the compass that gets us aligned with true north, which is the Holy Spirit. I love this. If you keep reading uh, in verse 9, it says, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. And this just says that God loves us with the same intensity that God loves Jesus. That the same love the Father has for Jesus, he looks down on us and loves us with that love. Isn't that just mind-blowing to you? That that exact same way that the Father looks at Jesus, he looks at us and he loves us. And prayer positions us to that person that loves us that much. It positions us to a direct line to the creator of the universe, to, to the one that we just shouted praises to, to the one who is worthy, to the King of kings, to the Lord of lords, to the resurrected one that we just celebrated, to the Prince of peace, to the one who loves us as deeply as he loves his own son. Prayer positions us to have a conversation with him. That, that's what prayer does. And so this communication with God, this, this open line of communication to God, this easy access God intended to use to change things. 
Not just in the supernatural, but in the natural. God uses prayer to change things. And so I want to read two quick passages to you um, from the Gospels, one from Mark and one from Matthew. No preaching needed with these. Because this is amazing to just what they say. Mark 11, 22-24. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. And therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. The mountain in the sea. Just like we talked about, just like Ruth's word was for us this morning, that those mountains and those strongholds can be completely depleted when we exalt him in prayer. Prayer positions us. Okay, Matthew 9, 29. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said, Yes, Lord. And then he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. So when these people, and there's many more examples, these are just two I chose, when these people prayed in faith and obedience, things changed. When these people prayed in faith and obedience, things changed. Do you want something to change in your life? Start praying. God opens the door of blessing and he closes the door of oppression in direct response to our prayers. Do you need something to change in your life? Do you need a blessing? Do you need a door closed to the oppression? Start praying. By praying, we can both release God's blessing in greater measure and cut off the work of the enemy. Who, who wants to devour our finances and break our bodies and ruin our relationships and destroy our families. So if you want to cut off the work of enemy in your life and you don't know how to do that, the scripture says, start praying. Sometimes it's almost too simple to even understand. What do you mean? Yes, abide in me and I'll abide in you and all of these things will happen. Many people complain about their lives and their circumstances and they even talk to others about it. They spend lots of time texting or making passive-aggressive Facebook posts and doing all of these things about how my life is so terrible and frustrating and I have all of these things going on. And I just wonder if they've spoken their needs out to the Lord. Because Philippians 4, 6 says, in everything, by prayer, let your requests be made known to God. Do you need something? Start praying. Do you want something to change in your life? Start praying. You know, the Lord knows our needs without us asking. Yet, he waits to give us many things until we ask for them. He waits to do that. Maybe you don't have something because you haven't asked Jesus for it. Maybe you don't have something because you haven't asked Jesus for it. You know, God leads his kingdom this way. He, he does this, not to be uh, like, you know, sort of, uh, you need to come ask me for it if you need it. That's not his intention. He wants our heart. He, he wants a relationship with us. So he will give us more in response to prayer because he desires a deep relationship for us. We don't need to earn or deserve a blessing 
because of prayer. In fact, we can't pray hard enough or long enough or passionate enough to manipulate God into doing what we want. But he wants us to come to him and to ask because prayer is the place that he designed for us to receive blessing in response to interceding with him. So abide in him. He'll abide in us. And then we will get the fruit. That's when the fruit comes. And all of these good things come in our life and we become the people that God wants us to be. And we walk in the way God wants us to walk. And the places where we go become the places that God wants us to be because we're taking our fruit with us. And we're bringing the situation in and we're ushering in the Holy Spirit. I like when these people get excited over here. You guys need to work on it. So this is what we have to remember. Let me tell you this. God isn't looking for perfect prayers. God isn't looking for perfect prayers. There is value in 90-second prayers. Let me remind you that. Short prayers are effective. Don't put off praying until you have an hour of free time because it'll never come. So when you're rushing to an appointment, when you're standing in line, before you start scrolling on your social media, Jesus, okay, like do that first. Should I even do this? Should I even do it? You know, before you, you start doing that, you can offer a 90-second prayer that will make a difference in your life and in the lives of others. Maybe that's where you start. Maybe the conversation begins, 90-second prayers. You know, also, there is value in weak prayers. The truth is that we often offer our prayers in human weakness. We, we often come to God, and they're maybe like with one eye open, drifting off into dreamland, and you're kind of asking the Lord and bless my night's sleep, and you're done. Or we have um, moments where maybe we're frustrated and we can't even get the words out. But did you know that, that prayers ascend to God in power because of the sufficiency of the blood of Jesus? It is not our words that make them important anyway. It's the fact that Jesus abides in us, and when we are in agreement with God's heart, all of the prayers that we pray are important and effective. And we wrongly conclude that prayers are meaningless when we feel dry and distracted. That is a technique of the enemy to say, well, you can't pray good right now anyway, so don't do it at all. Because he knows that even those weak and those short and those prayers that we don't always feel so connected and holy to God with, that they are powerful. So if he can talk you out of doing it, that's one less ounce of power, one less ounce closer that you are to abiding in fruit. You know, all of our prayers are heard, even when we don't feel anything when we offer them. Oh, this is so good. Our weak prayers may not move us, but they move the heart of God. They move the heart of God. Let's read this verse. 1 John 5, 14. Now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears us. He hears the cry of the prisoner. He hears the biblical eloquence of a scholar. He hears my singing, which is like, you know, cats dying usually. I mean, he hears that. That's why we let Luke do all the singing around the office. But he hears us. And God knows our hearts, and he has given us his spirit to intercede for us and with us. And as I was preparing this message this week, I just had this sense 
um, that maybe this right here is the moment, the reason why you came to church today, what God wanted you to hear was this, he is hearing you. He's 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 hearing you. God wants you to know that he hears you. And he is moving on your behalf. Abide in him and he will abide in you. And so we're focusing um, on building strong families here at Erie First. And one of the families we want to build strong is our church family. And so I'm so thankful that you're here today to hear the word and to worship together. And we're going to do something really awesome this month. And I hope you got this as you walked in the door today. If you didn't, you can get it on the way out. But uh, if you have it, you can pull it out. We want to abide in him. We want him to abide in us. We want to bear fruit as a community. So we're going to talk to Jesus. We're going to apply his promises. We're going to obey his leadership together. And so the entire month of May, starting tomorrow, because tomorrow's Monday, hate to break it to you, tomorrow's Monday, um, we're going to have prayer groups that meet every Monday and Friday, you can see here. Of course, on Wednesday night, we always have prayer and worship right here in the sanctuary from 6.30 to 7.30. This month, we're going through a study, uh, 6.30 to 8, I'm sorry, but you can always come here on Wednesdays. It's always open, the sanctuary for worship and for prayer, uh, but on Mondays and Fridays, there are extra opportunities just for one hour to pray together. Now, there won't be a big Bible study or like Luke won't be there leading you in worship at every place. That would be impossible all at the same time. Um, there won't be fancy snacks. I can't promise fancy snacks. But there will be prayer. And there will be prayer together. And there will be a time to abide together and to talk to Jesus together. And to apply his promises and to obey his leadership. And so I want to encourage you. Um, there's bound to be a location near you. Uh, if there isn't one, it should be fairly close. We tried to get them all over the county. And I want to challenge you to get to one of these prayer groups. I'm going I'm to challenge you to get there once a week in May. So one, either Monday, Wednesday, or Friday for the next five weeks for you to take one hour out and get to one of these prayer groups. That will add five hours of prayer into your life this month. So whatever your base prayer line is, plus five. If you go Mondays and Fridays, it'll be 10. And so we have um, lots, of, lots of different areas we're hoping to, for you guys to get on. Now, now some of you are going to say, um, you know, I, I have a busy schedule. Uh, you know, I know it won't be easy. You will need to plan ahead. You will need to, to miss something that you usually do. Um, you, you may need to knock on the door of a person that you don't know. They'll smile at you. We told them they have to, Okay. <laughs> But you might have to drive up to a, to a house that you've never been to before. I know that's sometimes uncomfortable for people. But I want to encourage you to make those sacrifices, to abide in Jesus. And Jesus will abide in us. And Jesus will come closer. And he, will lo he loves us like, like he loves his own son. He is after our hearts. And I'm believing for our church family. I'm so excited to see what God does in these homes in this city, this month. Because the scripture says if we abide in him, we will bear fruit. And I'm believing that that fruit will be easy for us to see because God is moving and he is working and he wants us to be close to him and that he is going to change things about our life. Erie First, let's become a praying church. 
A church that doesn't just say we pray, but we actually do it. We pray. We are, our, our, my campus pastor used to tell me our theology becomes our neology. That we actually get on our knees because we believe prayer changes something. So we come before the Lord and we ask him to do it. A church that ushers the kingdom of God right into the middle of this community simply because we asked Jesus to come. And he says that he will. So would you stand with me? I'm going to ask Luke and the team to come back um, up up here, and um, we're going to sing this song, Jesus Be the Center, again, because like he mentioned, we're really making it sort of our prayer, our, our theme song, if you will, for these next few weeks. In fact, you can listen to that on your way to the prayer group. You can listen to it at your prayer group if you want. You can allow that to be something that just sort of becomes your prayer for this community. And so this is what I would like to do today, uh, is I'm going to ask um, the council and the staff, if you're here, um, to just kind of come up here and stand um, in front of the altar. And during this song, uh, what I'd love for you to do is if you want prayer, for anything, if you need prayer for a provision, if you need prayer just so you like to pray again, okay? If you need prayer to align your heart to God's will, if you need prayer for direction, if you feel like you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't know where to go and you need prayer to orient yourself, just come down and, and just talk to some of these folks. They'll pray with you, just give you some uh, encouragement. You can share as much or as little as you want. You don't have to barf your whole life out. It's okay. You can just come up and say, I just need prayer, and they'll know what to do. And we're going to sing this song. For those of you that just want to worship and engage in worship, I want to invite you down to just, you know, come around in the middle of these here and let's just worship together. But let's end today. If you need to go to lunch, go ahead. If you need to get your kid, go ahead. There's no judgment. We understand. But if you have a few more minutes to spend time with us and you need prayer or you want to just come down and worship and align yourselves, we want to take a few minutes to do that. We don't always want to rush out of here every week, but certainly if you need to go, it's no problem. So I'm just going to pray, and then Luke's going to start this song. And um, Jesus, we love you so much. And we are just so thankful that you are so accessible to us. And we pray that we could begin to understand how much you love us, how much you want our hearts, how much you want that conversation with us. And over this next month, I, I'm asking, Lord, for a fire to be lit in our prayer life. God, that those of us that are praying a minute a day would, would pray 10 minutes. And those of us that are praying an hour a day right now would pray three hours. And those of us that are praying 10 hours a day right now would pray 15 hours, God. That you would just increase. God, we ask for the increase, Lord. We ask for the increase in faith. We ask that we can abide in you, God. That we can understand what you want for us. And that we can move and obey your leadership, Lord. We don't want to be the same anymore. God, we want to be different. We want to bear fruit that shows. God, we love you. We want to honor you in everything we do. Jesus, be the center of this church. God, be the center of our lives. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.